Hello. Uh, Miss Kelly asked me when she found out I was speaking tonight to remind us of the uh, community things we got going on. So, um, cool thing. This guy didn't know he's working tonight, but um, one of our community impact opportunities is bringing snacks and encouraging the offer officers the Lee Summit Police Department. So uh, we're collecting all those now, and this guy's going to work because my buddy over here happens to be a Lee Summit Police officer. Thank you, Obi. And I want to know, just real quick, what's, your, what's a favorite snack that you want us to bring in? Favorite snack when you're working, what do you want the cupboard stocked with in the break room? Lamar's. You guys heard it. So if you guys go out there, there's, um, there's different things you guys can sign up for. There's also these. You can grab one of these, and it's got an assignment on it. Um, so go grab that, but, you know, pack up the Lamar's for Officer Obier. Um Also, we have the, uh, the church work day. That's June 24th. There's inside stuff to do. There's outside stuff to do. So if you have the time and you can, please come out um, and help. If you're worried about being too hot, then do the inside stuff. But um, uh, come out and have that work day with us on June 24th, 8 a.m. And then the other thing is uh, the Nicaragua trip coming up. Um, we need a lot of peanut butter. We need a lot of powdered Gatorade. They're flying this stuff down to take to the kids, so the uh, liquid Gatorade's not going to get too far. So... Powdered Gatorade and peanut butter. If you guys could bring those in and set those back um, at our giving box, then um, be much appreciated. So don't forget, Lamar's Donuts. I love Lamar's too. We're going to talk about that in a minute, actually. All right. Thank God for technology, huh? We got, we got this, this thing gets to control my slides tonight. How awesome is that? You guys probably already knew all that. I get excited by that kind of stuff. I'm slow to the game. All right, so a little bit about me. That's my family. Like, how the heck did he end up with that family? I don't know. God is good. That's what we're going to talk about today. So, child's family right there. Uh, my wife, Bethany, who's probably out and about with the youngest, Cooper. Uh, you probably see them latched together all the time when they're walking around here. Um, She's, uh, she's got him. He's 10 months old. We got Cadence, our, our eight-year-old there that, that's um, right in front of me. You got Clay. That's the oldest boy there. And then you have Cora, um, who's three. So Clay's five. So we got eight, five, three, and almost a year. August 8th will be a year. And uh, this Friday will be our 10-year wedding anniversary. So we're, uh, man, that's crazy. Time flies, it really does. And you know, a cool thing, we've been kind of on the traveling circuit. Lived in Missouri, Iowa, Florida, Mississippi. Uh, Cadence was born in Springfield, Missouri. Clay was born in Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa. Cora was born in, uh, Nov- where was it? It wasn't actually Destin, it was Sandestin. Sandestin, Florida. And then Cooper... I tried my darndest to get her to go over to Kansas or something so I could have four kids, four states. But he got to be right here in in Missouri again, so we closed the loop there. So that's my family. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about Acts 19. Uh, 
And um, a little background on just setting up what we're going to read here. What you see uh, up there is the map, and the red line is Paul's third missionary journey. And you see that arrow there pointing to Ephesus. So Ephesus uh, was in the province of Asia. This, this setup right now is the biblical time. So this is under, currently under Roman rule, was under Greek rule, then under Roman rule. So at the time of 19, it's currently under the Roman government. And Ephesus is kind of like New York, just a booming metropolis. So there's a lot of tourism in there. Um, and the goddess, the, the temple of Artemis, the goddess of Artemis was very well respected. And the temple was actually one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So this is located in, F, in Ephesus. So, at the time of this missionary journey, and since I can just touch out like that, so Paul has been sitting, he's been in Ephesus now for three years at the time of what we're going to read, and he's been preaching and establishing churches for three years. Just note that background, because we'll talk about that in a minute. And Ephesus uh, is right now in modern day Turkey, to give you guys a little perspective. When you're reading uh, this Acts 19, depending on your translation, it might say Diana instead of Artemis. So Artemis is the Greek name. Diana is the Roman equivalent, just so everybody knows we're talking the same thing. My mom was really worried about that. So um, Artemis was the goddess of the hunt, wild animals, wilderness, protector of young girls, childbirth, virginity. I'm not sure how all that connects, but that's, that's what she was. And, but very highly respected. So Acts 19, let's just dive in. So about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith, who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. So that's Demetrius' job. He makes a living off of making these idols for Artemis. Um, he, kept, he kept many craftsmen busy and he called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard this man, Paul, has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. And he he changes his tone a little bit. He's hitting money at first, right? He's hitting his way of life. But then he changes a little bit. He's like, of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence. And that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. At this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis! the Ephesians. So, a few things I want to point out here. Remember, we said Paul has been in Ephesus right now for three years. There's been churches established. There's been people talking about Jesus. There's been miraculous healings. If you read earlier, there's been miraculous healings. There's been 
There's been people praying in tongues and prophesying. There's been miracles going on. But what, what I, I find interesting is Demetrius doesn't take issue with the doctrine. He doesn't want to take on Jesus and say, this is totally not what we believe. He, he doesn't get mad until the pocketbook gets affected, right? That's when he has issue. When he doesn't have a problem with Paul, and he'll let Paul keep doing his things. Who knows? He may have even said, hey, man, if Paul's going to bring in Christianity, I'm just going to start making some of those trinkets, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll sell those too, right? But because Paul's teaching that idols are wrong, he's losing sales. He doesn't like that. So he gets the other craftsmen there because they have the same problem. They don't want their way of life affected. They don't want, they don't want their money um, going. So he gets them riled up. But then I like the turn there, you know, to get more people involved. He, 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 makes, it more of a, he makes it more of an issue of, well, he's attacking Artemis. He's hurting Artemis, guys. And he gets there, he get, then he gets the masses worked up, right? So Paul never went in and said, destroy this temple. He never went in and made a direct comment to attack Artemis. But he twisted that way because he's trying to get the crowd riled up. And they do. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater. Now this, this is the amphitheater. This whole thing was filled up with people rioting. It says later on they... For two hours, can you imagine for two hours standing in here chanting, great is Artemis to the Ephesians? And, and most of them weren't even there at that original conversation Demetrius had. They're just joining the crowd, right? So a lot of these people are in here chanting, a mob starting. Paul tries to go in and address them, and all his friends and disciples are like, no way, you're not going in there. Um, and they, they keep him out of there to protect him. Um, but what, did a, what an amazing impact Demetrius's complaint has. And, uh, you know, I read this to my, my mom. I was like, this is what I'm going to talk about. She's like, what the heck? This is a, a great, it's a great story. What is that, what's that about? What are you going to talk about with that, right? So how's, it's a good story, but how does it apply to our life? It's, it's a great history lesson. Thanks a lot, Mike, right? <clears throat> So God's design, these are not in any proportion right now. It's just showing different things um, that make up our life. Money, work, family, entertainment, sex, food, hobbies, sports. These are different things that make up our life. And God's design is that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is Lord of all. That's God's design. So... If we were to, sorry, I got to, all right. So maybe this is what our life looks like. You see a lot of work and money, you know, they kind of take about the same amount because you're working to earn money, right? So say this is broken down by time. Say this is a typical week. So if we're good and we go to church on Sunday, we go to church on Wednesday, we, we pray little bit every day our work week's probably making up 
that few hours, that little slice of the pie. You see God up top there? Sports, I was pretty nice there. I didn't count all the kids' sports and all the things we do. That's essentially like a Royals game and then some, right? Um, hobbies, hunting, fishing, um, knitting, I don't know, hobbies. Food, this is probably more me than you guys, but I, I gave food a pretty good chunk there. Uh, we spent a lot of time eating or we spent a lot of time talking to people over dinner, right, and spending time together. Um, sex, I won't get into that one too much. Entertainment, family. Um, these are different sections of our life, and uh, I would say this is probably a typical life, but, but let's say let's say some of us are like, you know what, you're not giving us enough credit, man, I do everything for God. I have God everywhere, I pray all the time, I'm constantly in prayer, I do what the Bible says, I, I follow all the laws, I go to church whenever there's, I, I live at this church, I do everything at this church. So let's give God a big portion of the pie. And, you know, a lot of us would look at that and we would say, that person is a very godly person. Um, that person has uh, an, an awesome life filled with faith. And we would see that. But the problem is, if there's still a boundary here, even... As big as the pie is with God, if there's still a boundary and there's something we won't let God into, then that's where we see the idols today, right? And even though God has this big portion of the pie, if, if there's not all of it, then there's something we're holding on to and there's something we're saying is more important than God. So we don't have this problem today where we have a temple, Artemis, right? We don't have a lot of statues, you know, down the street that people are bowing and worshiping at. Our idols are a little more subtle, right? Because money, family, entertainment, sex, food, none of those inherently are bad things, right? But if we can't give God that portion of our life, then that becomes an idol. So, to me, the Acts 19 story shows, uh, shows to be applicable today because we have me, myself, and I. We have the wrong trinity at the heart of those, right? So we could say if sports, we can't give up sports or we can't give up hobbies, those ultimately feed the God of me, right? Those ultimately feed... Me, myself, and I. And I look, you look at sin there. I wrote that way to show, you know, sin, which we know is separation from God or missing the mark. At the center of sin is I. So, all idols ultimately stem back to number one is me. <clears throat> so we want... In our lives, see the portion we gave God there? We still want God. If we're living in this situation, we still want God. Because when we come up against a hurdle that we can't, that we can't break, 
Or we really want that house. Or we really want that car. Or we really want that next level. We want God involved in that, right? We want God to help us. But ultimately, is it, is it us doing it for God? Or do we want God to serve us? Right? So in this situation, eyes in the middle. And we'd still use God. We still want God. But we want God really to serve us. Fun, fun stuff so far, right? So when, when we're doing this, we're, we're really kind of more fans than followers. Have any, has anyone heard or seen that series from Idleman? It's a great series, and if you haven't read that book, I recommend it. But, you know, the fans, you think of, well, let's look at the Royals. <laughs> let's look at the World Series Royals. Look at, look at what happened. I mean, you've seen the pictures, right? You've seen all the people, the masses come out to celebrate the royals, right, when they win. And, you know, we're all about that. And we'll go, we'll go follow them anywhere when they're winning, right? And when things are going well, we'll watch every game and we'll go to as many as we can and we'll chase them down as much as we can as fans. But we don't have to be that invested in them when they have a bad year, right? We can, we can kind of back off a little bit and say, you know what, things aren't going really the way I want it to, so we'll kind of back off a little bit. And that's okay. As a fan, we can do that. But Jesus doesn't really call for that. He doesn't want fans. He doesn't want us involved as long as God's doing what we want him to do. But then when things get a little tough and things don't go the way we want them to, kind of back off. He doesn't want fans. He wants followers. So what's the big deal? When we settle for a piece of God, we're robbing ourselves of blessings and plans that he has in store for us because we're depending on the things of the world to sustain us. When me, myself, and I is in the middle, then I'm going on my power and I'm asking God to kick in with his power, right? But I I want him to serve me. And let's look look at that verse. 1 John 2, 17, a great warning. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So we see that when we're trying to be in charge and we're number one, we're, we're locking on to things that fade away. Sports, the Royals, they didn't, that didn't last forever, right? That didn't last very long. I mean, we still love them, right? But I mean, when they were at the World Series, that was the coolest thing ever, right? Um, money. We pour a lot of money in to, to fill things, to fill the hole we have, right? We pour a lot of money into things to buy, to buy stuff to make us happy, but it fades. It fades, right? Work fades. Family fades. It all fades. I think of a story I heard. This, uh, this family, this, this couple, they had a pet, Python. And they treated this python like a kid. They love this python. Like to the point where this python would like curl up and sleep at their bed, you know, the corner of their bed. Like was in the house with them. Like they loved this python. That was their kid. And then all of a sudden, little python, he only kept growing. And he got, he got to be about as long as they were. And... He got, 
really sick. They said, they said he was sick, and they, they got so concerned, they went out to lunch, and they met with a, a friend who was a vet. And they were just talking about their, their little pet. And um, they're saying, he's, just, he's not acting right. He used to be all curled up in the bed. He used to be moving around, and he's just been laying there. And he's just been, not been doing anything. And then at night, he'll just lay, and he won't even curl up in the bed anymore. He'll, he'll like, lay long ways in the middle of us. And he'll just, he'll just, just lay there all spread out like he's really sick. And I don't know what he's, what's wrong with him. And the vet said, don't go back to your house. He said, that python's trying to eat you. He hasn't eaten for a long time because <laughs> he's building up enough room. And he's laying out to see if, if he can physically fit you inside him. That snake's trying to eat you. Don't go back home. See, some of us have a pet sin. Some of us have something that we just love, that we would do anything for, that we want to feed, we want to take care of. Some of us have a sin like that, or many, many sins like that. Some of us have things we just can't let go of. But at the end think that snake cared about them the way that they cared about it no oh do you think our sins are going to help us no they're going to fade away they're going to kill us they're trying to kill us but they're good now i mean i look at food i look at food god bless you chick-fil-a god bless you but you know i have a problem with food okay and Man, do I love, man, I love cake. I love custard. I live so close to Custard's Last Stand, and I cannot get away from Custard's. It's a drive-thru even. Come on, guys. And, and uh, I love fried chicken. I love fried chicken. Oh, man, Popeye's, Chick-fil-A. Oh, my goodness. She works at Chick-fil-A. That's why I keep pointing to her. Um, uh, and, you know, I love this food. But you know what? I've read the studies. I know that this food's not helping me. <laughs> this food's hurting me. It's hurting my chances for thriving later on in life. It's causing issues inside my body now that I can't see. But it, it's so good to chase after it. But, you know, ultimately it's leading to my overall destruction. So if I don't manage that right, um, I'm hurting myself phones oh my goodness iphones right i just said thank god for technology but you might be asking me to take that back because i mean shoot cell phones i mean look how much they have the potential to control us right and we love them but man they don't they don't help us they hurt our relationships you know one thing i can't stand is when i go to restaurants and I see people sitting across from each other on their phone. And I wonder if they're even just texting each other just because they don't know how to talk to each other anymore. Even though they're sitting right across from each other. But I hate that. I wish that we had more of that personal interaction, right? Emails getting to be such a big thing. It's so hard to get up and go talk to somebody now or 
to pick up the phone and call somebody. You got to get a hold of them with text. And I'm, I'm one of the bad ones. I get phone calls. My poor sister calls me all the time. She knows she can text me, <laughs> and I'll answer. But, but we just live with those anymore. I mean, I had lost my phone uh, today. I lost my phone today. And uh, I was just going to, I didn't lose it because I left it on my desk and I knew where it was. And I was like, you know what? I really don't want to go back all the way up there and get my phone. But then I'm like, well, shoot, I, there's gonna, some people are going to call me. People are going to text me. I can't miss that. I, I got to have that. And, um, you know, think of, I just remember even when I was a kid, I'm not that old, but we didn't have cell phones. We still had the phone on the wall. And we, it was a big deal when we had the cordless phone and we could go hide in a room and talk, right? But, but you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking, how on earth did my mom drop us off to a movie theater and not have a phone? Because I think of doing that now with my kids, oh, my goodness. That would be horrible. I'd be a nervous wreck, right, if uh, I left her at a movie theater. I'm like, I'm never going to see her again, right? Oh, my goodness. But, you know, we did it all the time. And uh, we just, I mean, it's glued to me right now. It's just a part of us, right? But it can be damaging. And, and it, you know, the steady... There's, gonna, there's more and more studies coming out, right? You keep your phone on you. It's, it's, it's going to be a cause to cancer. It's going to be a cause to hurting your eyes. It, it ultimately is hurting us, but we can't, we can't live without it. I mean, we're going to paperless now in workplaces, and I'm sitting here staring at three monitors all day, and, I mean, by the end of the day, I can feel it. I can feel the pain of, of my eyes trying to adjust to the light, dark, light, dark all the time when I'm looking at the screen and looking away. Um, so, uh, you know, the technology is great, but it's, it's limited. And, you know, I think of us using me, myself, and I as our, as our guide, as our, as our driver, as our number one. And I feel like that's kind of like going out in a wilderness with a, a big, you know, those big Gatorade jugs. It's like bringing that with you as your water supply and going out in the wilderness, you're going to drink for a little bit, but you're going to run out. Now, on the other hand, if you stand by a river, and you stay right by a river that's got a good, clean water supply, you're going you're gonna to be drinking for a long time. You're not going to run out. Let's remember, Jesus is the living water. Right? He says he is. So when we live... God's design, God's design blesses and multiplies. So I don't, don't get stuck on, I don't want us thinking, oh, I got to go out, and I got to work better, I got I to gotta get rid of these idols. Because that's still us depending on me, myself, and I, right? We got we to gotta involve God in these situations, and it's, Look at this verse. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. For us, me, myself, and I people, it's going to be hard to hear this, but God does not need us. God does not need us. When he created the world, did we help him out? When he sustained everything, when he gave up his son, is this something we could do? No, that's why his son came down, right? Because we couldn't do it. 
He doesn't need us. And to me, I, I hear that, and, I, and some people might say, well, gee, that's kind of weird. God doesn't need us. That's great. But um, to me, isn't that, isn't that so awesome that a God who doesn't need us still chooses to love us and to be there for us and to give us blessings and to tell us he has a plan for us? And he doesn't have to. Isn't that awesome? I mean, to me, that's just, that's just mind-blowing. I just can't fathom that because when you look at our relationships, I mean, we kind of, I mean, that, understanding that love, I mean, I guess you look at, you got to look at kids to say, to get a little glimpse of that, right? Because the kids, and Tim, you know this, the kids, they're good at taking stuff, right? And talk about that me, myself, and I focus. Oh, our kids are really good at that, right? They're like, hey, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And even when, you know, my wife and I always get frustrated because we can't even, like, the how is your day fine? That's a necessity, <laughs> you know, because if you try to say more than two sentences, it's, it's a boom, here comes the, here comes the next kid with the, with the story to tell. So, um, you know, we, we see that, that we give to them, but in giving to them, we, we love them so much that we just always are sacrificing for them. We don't think about it that way, right? Because we love our kids so much. Well, guess what? God is the perfect father. God's the perfect father. And see, some of us, some of us are living that me, myself, and I life, and we want God to come through with everything. We want the blessings in everything, but we're giving him part of our life. We want to be part-time Christians, but we want full-time benefits, right? So when you look at this design, and we'll look at a couple verses here that, that kind of emphasize this, but when you put God in all these situations and sports and hobbies and your work and money, it changes, and it doesn't, it's not because we're following the rules. It's because we're giving God his rightful place, what he says. I mean, God, idolatry is a big deal to God. You look at commandments one and two. No other gods but me, and don't make an idol, right? I mean, the first two of the ten relate to that. And it, Do I think that he did that because idols were big at the time? No. No, God knew better. God knew us. We just sang it. God knew, God knew us before we even thought of him. Before we were even here on earth, God knew us. And um, so he's got a plan for us. It says, I know the plans I have for you, right? He plans to give us, he plans to prosper us. And it's not because we say, all right, God, I want to let you in. It's not like we have God running after Begging, please, man, please, come on, let me in, let me be part of your life. He doesn't, he doesn't need us to, but he's telling you, guys, as my children, I'm the solid rock. I'm not moving. God's always right down, he's right here. We're the ones that go like this. We're the ones that go back and forth, close and far. God's not moving. He's never moving. He's always there with us. And he's got blessings in store for us. 
today, everyone in here, but he's not going to drop it right in your hand. He's going to put it right in your reach, but he wants to see you reach out the hand in faith to get those blessings. So what do we do? Do we go sell, sell off everything? No sports, no cable, no restaurants, no entertainment, only God. Is that what we do? No, that's not what God wants us to do, but he wants to be involved in everything. He wants to be involved in everything. And I like the military, I like the military illustration on this. You know, when you work for the military, you don't have to go give up everything, but nothing belongs to you. We don't have to go sell everything, give up everything, give up our life. But everything should be able to be given up if the commander calls for it. Because it's not ours, it's his. So if we do that, the blessings show up. I want to talk about this verse here. It's a familiar verse. This is where Jesus feeds the 5,000 men and the women and the children. So Jesus saw a huge crowd. He stepped in, had compassion for them. You know, I won't read this verbatim, but the, you know, to kind of paraphrase, you guys can read it there. So the big crowd's there. Disciples see it's getting late, and they say, send these guys away. There's not enough food for them. And Jesus, I love what he says here. He goes, disciples, says, you feed them. See how verse 37? Jesus says, you feed them. They're like, what? We don't have enough to feed him or to feed this crowd. This is a huge crowd. And so he said, how much bread do you have? They go find out. And, and one boy has a basket with five loaves of bread and two fish. And he tells the disciples to sit down. So is Jesus, you think Jesus is surprised by this? You think he's like, oh, man, I forgot about the time. It's late. I don't know what we're going to do. No, Jesus knew what was going on. He knew what he was going to do. He already had all that figured out, but but look what look what everybody learns from this. So you got five loaves of bread and two fish. Clearly, that's not enough to feed thousands and thousands of people. So what does Jesus do? He takes what they have. He thanks God for what he has, and then the multiplication happens beyond what anyone can imagine. I like that. That's, that's important for us to, to notice. See, when we're in our lives, we're going to have things that come up, and we're not going to see it. We're not going to see how it happens. It's going to be the feeding the thousands. Like, God, there's no way. This can't happen. I can't overcome this. And what I like is he takes what they have and they thank God for it. I feel like I could use a little more of that in my life. Because I look at the problems a lot and I'm focusing on the thousands. But I'm forgetting that God does have the five loaves of bread and the two fishes he's already blessed me with. Right? And if I give that to God, give that little to God, look what he can increase. 
So you go back to the pie chart, that's what happens to all these areas of our life. When we give them to God, he, he may tweak them. He may tweak some of these things. It, there's going to be some discomfort there. But the blessings that are going to abound when we give God control is amazing. So let us remember to thank God for what little we do have when we can't see the ends meeting. Because when we do that, when we acknowledge that God's still in control, God, you have this, the blessings come. Because we're exercising faith. The other story I love is the storm. We've heard this a lot. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. Huge storm in a boat, and Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. At least, at least he had a cushion, right? The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the wave, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this story. And it's, you know, often we look at the miracle of Jesus calmed a storm, right? That's pretty impressive. It's amazing. But what I like about this is what's happening in the storm. So couple things to note here. First, Jesus said, come on, let's go. Let's go across the water. Now, did Jesus know a storm was coming? You think he's surprised by a storm? I don't. I think he knew exactly a storm was coming. So that tells us something. Sometimes God will put storms in our lives. Sometimes that happens, and he's got a reason for it. Now, the disciples, when the storm comes up, now these guys have followed Jesus. They've heard him preach. They've seen miracles. So they know who Jesus is. They know what he's done so far. But do you see them recalling that at this point? You see a disciple saying, don't worry about it, guys. We're Jesus. He's got this. No, they're freaking out. They're freaking out and they think they're going to die. And Jesus is sleeping. Jesus is sleeping because he, he knows that he's in control. He knows that he's got this. And he knows nothing's happened to them. So what, what, I, want to sh- what I want us to see there is when we are letting God lead, We go from having a peace of God with me, myself, and I to having peace with God. There's still, notice back in the verse, the disciples are in a storm, but who else is in a storm? Jesus. Jesus is in the storm. 
So he's in the same storm, but he's at peace. Now think of that in our lives. When those storms show up in our lives and we're not thinking about Jesus, we're not giving that burden to Jesus, we feel like we're going to die. We feel like we're going to drown, right? But if we give that to Jesus, does that mean we no longer have the storm? No, we're st- he's still in the storm. But his perspective is totally different. He's at peace because he knows he's got this. That's pretty cool to look at. So how do we do this? How do we go from me, myself, and I to having God in everything? And how do we go to having from a peace of God to having peace with God? And, And I think it's back to the basics. I don't think we have, we don't have to go study a whole bunch of books. I think you know, the two, he says, what are the two most important commandments? And he sums up the Ten Commandments in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Does everyone know that Lincoln Brewster song? It's a good song. Pumps me up. You guys should download it on your phones that are bad for you. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Put some feet on that. Get your GPS out. So Jesus is Lord. GPS, God's word, pray and serve. God's word, give us this day our daily bread. When I read that, I I notice it says daily. God wants us in his word daily. But I also think of us maturing as believers. And it's okay to do that. It says when we're saved, we're born again, right? But you think of a child being born, like my my youngest, Hooper, he's, he's not walking on his own yet. He's getting the food, but you got to break it up really small. And probably 80% of it's on the floor when you're done. I don't know how much he actually eats. I don't know. I know how much I break up for him, but I don't know what he actually gets. And I'm reminded of, as, as kids, as children of God, we don't have to worry about digesting a whole bunch, but we need to digest enough to sustain and to move forward, right? And so I think Oh, gosh, I got to be in God's word. I better get the next Bible plan that I can find. I better read it every day. And we'll try and we'll try. But we kind of fall off of it after a while. And then we get discouraged. And then it ends up collecting dust. Right? Because we just can't keep up with it. And then we're so far behind. What's the what's the use? And... uh you know, I don't know how Cookie Monsters live for all these years. Have you ever watched Cookie Monster eat cookies? Nom, 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 right? And it, it all goes everywhere else but his mouth. Right now, part of that's because he can't physically eat it. But but still, you got you got him throwing all the stuff in. I feel like that's us when, when we try to grab the big Bible plan and we try to grab chapters a day at first and we're not used to reading. 
it's like us throwing all the cookies at us, right? But we're not, they're not going anywhere inside us. They're going all over the place. So if you look at the bread my son would actually eat at a meal, it's probably like this. My point is, start somewhere. Be in something. If it's a word, if it's a verse a day, if it's two verses a day, I would rather fully digest and, and, and lock in my heart one or two verses a day than trying to fumble through chapters a day, right? So, again, if God's in charge, God's speaking to us, God's Holy Spirit's in us, and he'll, he'll direct this path, but, again, reach out. He's got the blessings there in his word. The Holy Spirit, we just read that verse in Acts 19. That was a story that took place thousands of years ago. But one cool thing the Holy Spirit does for us is he pulls out that highlighter. He pulls out that highlighter and he says, you know what? This verse, even though this was a story thousands of years ago, this applies to you today. And when we give God that opportunity, we see him start to work. We see him start to multiply in our lives. Pray. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. Oh man, I feel like I love that verse. I love that verse and we need that verse. Our country needs that verse, amen? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but I really like this pattern for prayer. It's called Acts obviously. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. When we pray, I'm really good at supplication. I'm really good at going to God asking for what I need because I kind of dabble in that, me, myself, and I, right? So I'm really good at asking God what I need, but I'm not really good at spending time just adoring God. I'm not really good at spending time confessing and clearing clearing my mind and clearing the things that keep me away from God. And I'm not very good about thanking him. Remember that story? He, we, we see this impossible situation, but what Jesus does is he takes that five loaves and two fish and he thanks God the Father for what we, he has. And I find when I do that, when I just thank God for what I have, it, does, it totally changes my perspective. I'm not focused on my problems anymore. I'm not focused on what God's not doing. I'm focusing on all the wonderful things that God's already done. And then I'm getting excited for what he's got in store next. So if you guys remember Acts, that's an awesome pattern for prayer that that changes our lives. Spend time just going to God without the agenda and see what happens. You know, Pastor Dennis brought this up a few weeks ago, we talked about that story with Paul that we, we actually talked about in our, in our life group. And um, he talks about when Paul's in prison. And Paul, Paul and Silas are sitting there in jail, and they're singing praises to God. And then all of a sudden, there's an earthquake, and the prison, op- the prison doors open up. All of the prison doors, not just theirs, all of them. Big earthquake. And I love that miracle because Paul wasn't even asking 
for him to come through. Paul wasn't sitting there in jail saying, dear Lord Jesus, please open these doors. Please break us out of this prison. He wasn't asking for that. He was just spending time adoring God. And then the miracle showed up that he wasn't even expecting. He knew he was in God's will. He knew that God had it in control, but he didn't know it looked like that. And he was just spending time adoring God. I think that's so cool and a good lesson for us. Choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And guys, I want you to, if there's one thing I can have you guys remember, it's not that God doesn't want us to go follow a bunch of rules. I mean, we can do that, and we can look good in, in church and with our believers, but if we're following a bunch of rules, but we're not, God's not on the inside, then what we're kind of doing is, anyone here seen Alice in Wonderland? No? Nobody? I'm the only one? You kidding me? All right, Alice in Wonderland, you got those little cards running around, right? They're singing, we're painting the roses red, painting the roses red, right? Because they planted a whole bunch of white roses. The queen wanted red roses. Well, they don't have time to plant all the new ones before off with your head lady comes. So they go paint them all red. And we can go paint the roses red in our lives. But that's not going to sustain life very long. See, when when we paint the roses red, we look good to the Christian brothers and sisters. But, see, God, God's looking at the inside. And God addresses the inside. And when you think of the Bible saying that we bear fruit, that doesn't come from the fruit deciding it wants to be this kind of fruit. You know, a pear, a pear doesn't decide it's going to be a pear. The tree that it's connected to decides it's going to be a pear. A pair. It comes from the inside. It comes from the inside. And see, when you also when you have a tree growing, think of us as trees. Think of our seed, that seed planted, that's life. You know, we can we can be a tree. We can be a Christian, and we can still not be bearing fruit. It takes a while for a, a, a new tree to grow to a level where it's bearing fruit. Um, but and it's a process. So. You know, how many of us know you can be, if, if you're unhappy in your marriage, does it make you less married? No, you're still, you're still married. You're still legally married, but you're unhappily married. Well, you can still be a Christian. You can still have that legal transaction that, that, Jesus, you know, you ask Jesus in your heart, you give your life to Christ on that that awesome special day, you can still be a Christian, but you can be a defeated Christian. And what I'm hoping you guys see is that key to victory comes from the connection to the inside. It comes from allowing God inside to give you that sustaining living water that grows you into that plant where you can bear fruit.
Because we can paint the roses red. But that's only going to last for a time. It's going to be, at the end, defeating. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. What I wanted to end on this is, guys, this isn't, you know, we don't have to go learn every word of God to go start living out our lives. What we learned today is give God what you have. Start somewhere. Start with the word. Start with prayer. Give God what you have. Let him multiply and watch the journey. Let him multiply and watch the journey. He wants to be number one, and he wants to be with you. He loves you. He died for you. He wants you to have a victorious life. Now, the fallen angels that work for Satan and this world that's fallen does not want that joy in our life. They want us defeated. And they do a pretty good job of it sometimes. But God's telling you guys, this isn't, this isn't something you got to go earn and do. You have to show faith. You show faith in me and watch me do the work. And then what God tells us to do isn't to go preach a whole bunch of sermons or go to that friend and say, here's all the things I want to prove to you. He wants us to be a witness of what God's done. When you think of a witness on the stand, they don't have to go research a whole bunch of stuff before they take the stand. They just got to go tell people what they saw. And when we connect into God and we connect to that living water and the blessings start coming and we start seeing miracles and we start growing and maturing and our fruit starts growing and we start seeing this affect our families and we start seeing this affect our churches and we start seeing this affect our communities, God tells us to tell people about what he's done. That's all we got to do. And you know, if it's really happened in your life and you've really seen it take place, can't really argue that, can you? You're just telling what you saw. So, you know, let's let's uh, let's respond. Let's uh, bow our heads, close our eyes. I want you to have a time where you're just thinking about thinking about this a little bit, letting this digest. And we think of the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We think of all the things that God's done in our lives. We think of the storms that we're facing. And you know, some of us, some of us may have that that pet sin. Some of us may have that that case of, you know, I'm I'm really just having God serve me. I'm really not letting him in everything, you know. I don't really want him in my finances. I don't really want him in my family. I don't really want him in my sports. You know, that that's my world. And and maybe even, uh, some of us are seeing the, the plants start to dwindle a little bit. Maybe some of us are seeing that that pain that comes from that. And and some of us are saying, you know what? I need God, I need to put you in the middle. I need to put you in the center. If you're feeling that way, raise your hand. If you're feeling like you could use God in the center, if you feel like you 
could use more God controlling your life, and you could see those blessings abound. Then raise your hand up so we can say, you know what, God, that's me. You know what, God, I need, I need you more. I'm sorry, I, I haven't been putting you in the middle. I need you in the middle. Because you're the living water. See those hands. I thank you for your honesty. And I want us to close this in prayer. And David, if you could put some music on. You know, the, the, Bible, the Bible tells us to offer a living sacrifice. And we have this altar up here. And we got, we got a few minutes before the kids are dismissed. And, you know, maybe someone, maybe a couple people need to come up and we need to sacrifice those problems, those burdens, those things that we've been trying to hold on to. We've been trying to deal with our, ourselves. Maybe some of us need to just bring this to the altar and just get on our knees and give it to God. So I'm going to pray. And then if that's you afterwards, come on up here and just spend a couple minutes with God and just give that to him. And I hope that you leave restored, and I hope you guys leave energized from what we've learned tonight. Dear God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are there for us, that you died for us to give us victory, that even though you don't need us, that you want a relationship with us. God, we can't imagine that. That's just so amazing that you would seek us out us who are fallen us who don't always give you the love that we should don't always give you the respect that we should yet you love us anyway because you're a perfect father we thank you so much for that and we ask god that you would pull on our hearts as we're going through those life pull pull on our hearts and give us those times give us those learning moments where we can give those to you where we can turn and say you know what god you're right I'm going to give that to you. I'm not going to hold on to that because I know that's ultimately a way to destruction in my life. Not because I'm breaking the rules. Not because you're an unforgiving God who's going to punish me. But because you have victory for me. And because you want me to share that victory with others. God, I pray that you would be with us and empower us to make those decisions. I pray that you would be with us. And and be an encouragement and a peace for us in the storms that we're in right now. I pray, God, that we'd give that to you and that you would be a peace for us in our storms. I pray, God, that you would help us to be your witnesses, powerful witnesses for you because of what you've done for us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Again, you can spend some time reflecting. Spend some time up here on the altar if you need to. But go and be blessed.